Welcome to a uh, new season of HL Pension Pod. We're back from an extended summer holiday. It's now uh, mid-October and it's certainly getting darker in the mornings and colder. Um, I'm here today, um, I'm Duncan Buchanan, a partner in the pensions team, and I'm joined by my colleague Jade, who I'll ask to introduce herself in a second. Uh, but the subject of today is climate reports by pension scheme trustees. Jade, would you like to introduce yourself before I ask you lots of questions about uh, disclosures and reports? Sure thing. So hi, everyone. It's great to be here today. Uh, as Duncan said, my name is Jade and I'm an associate here in the pensions team at Hogan Levels. So today we're talking about climate reporting for pension schemes. Now, often we call this TCFD. Uh, what does TCFD stand for and what does it mean? Why, why, why is it of an issue for pension trustees? Sure. So TCFD, it's all a bit confusing because we hear these terms so often. TCFD actually refers to the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, which was a specific task force set up to essentially develop some recommendations that all different organisations and businesses could use when it comes to reporting on uh their pricing risks and their investments and anything to do with climate change. So there's nothing to do with pensions? Nothing to do with pensions at all. So the TCFD then came up with some really helpful recommendations and the pension-specific climate reporting regime has been developed off of the back of those recommendations. So that's why you might hear your climate report being referred to as a TCFD report. It's not strictly true because as a pension scheme trustee, you are subject to the pension-specific regime, which at this moment in time comprises three, uh, three sets of regulations and some statutory guidance and lots of other guidance from TPR. So we, we have the legislation in place yeah. and we have statutory guidance and guidance from the pensions regulator. So what does... This doesn't apply to all pension schemes, does it? That's right. It's inflated. So when the regime initially came in in October 2021, it applied to the biggest schemes, those with £5 billion of relevant assets or more um, at a particular date and authorised master trusts because they get lumped in for everything. As time Regardless of their size? Regardless. Okay. Um, uh, well, there's a certain limit where you might fall below it, but generally all the big master trusts are going to be uh, going to be caught by this. As time moved on, uh, the regime has been expanded to those schemes with £1 billion of relevant assets or more as at their scheme year end date that falls after the 1st of March 2022. So if your report and account shows you have assets of above a billion pounds you're potentially required to do this reporting. Um, now, let's go back. So, so Jade, we talked about assets, um, but it's only relevant assets that count. Do you want to explain what we mean by relevant assets? Exactly. So we're not talking about everything that is in your portfolio here. You are excluding any assets that are held under a relevant contract of insurance. So that's something like an annuity type contract. So if you've done a buy-in exactly. of, of your pensioners or you're fully bought in, yeah. but you don't have any relevant assets if you're fully bought in, 
Um, but so the starting point is to look at your audited accounts. Yes. For any scheme year ending after March 22. If you are uh, 1 billion or more. And, and see what the asset value is and yep. then deduct the value of any insurance policy. Exactly. exactly. Okay. So if, if you have uh, relevant assets of above a billion pounds, um, what do you need to do? So there are six key obligations here uh, under this regime. Number one is that trustees must have knowledge and understanding of the climate-related risks and opportunities that are relevant to their scheme. And we understand that there will be a module brought in by TPR on this that you will then have to complete as part of your normal TKU. It's going to be part of the trustee toolkit. Exactly. The regulator's online training. Exactly. So that's that's coming along. The next thing that you have to do is establish and maintain good governance processes. And we'll dive into the detail on that shortly. Yep. So that's number two. Yes. Then you have to undertake strategic activities, including scenario analysis. And that's no, always a bit that's... of a scary part, but no. we'll uh, we'll dig into that soon. So um, number four. We then need to establish and maintain processes to identify, assess and manage these climate-related risks and opportunities. Five is to move on to calculating metrics that are relevant for your scheme and setting some targets for improvement. And then the final obligation here is to publish a report, which is what you will often call your TCFD report, which sets out how you have met all of these obligations. So try and think of it like an annual report and accounts. You're reporting on what you have done to meet your statutory obligations, and that's exactly what's going on here when you produce this report. But it would be wrong to think we can do the report at the end of the project um, because you have to have the framework in place in order to... Exactly. You have to have done something to be able to report on it. You yeah. can't backtrack. Yeah. Now, in practice, the trustees, they're going to look very um, heavily on their advisors on this. Is this what you're seeing in practice? Exactly, Jane? yes. So particular heavy input will come from your investment advisors. Um, DB schemes will often look to their covenant advisors as well um, because there are obligations on that front. Your communication teams are often quite important because there's a lot of information going on here, a lot of quite complicated ideas around this and calculations. So it's always good to make sure that you've got a real joined-up approach. And, and the report needs to be published on a website which is searchable and accessible to everyone. That's right. So there's quite a few important things to remember when it comes to actually pu publishing the report must be freely available, so you can't hide behind uh, member portals, passwords, any of that. It must be able to be found with, you know, a quick uh, internet search, essentially. Should anyone be so inclined to, to read his report? <laughs> exactly. Can, can we drill down now? You said we were going to drill down. Let's talk about governance. Uh, so what, what do you mean by having in place uh, a governance process? Great question, Duncan. So governance is going to be a really well-known concept to all of our trustee clients. Essentially, what we're looking at here is two key obligations. So number one, to maintain oversight of the climate-related risks and opportunities that are relevant to your scheme. And then number two, 
knowing the roles of those people who help you assess and manage those risks and opportunities and making sure that you're satisfied with their expertise. So good governance in practice looks like having clear reporting lines, having performance reviews of those people helping you to understand how climate-related risks and opportunities play into your investment decisions and any other kind of decisions that you as a trustee might make. So that will go on your risk register, presumably. Exactly. So adding to the risk register is a great idea. Yeah, and then it feels like we're going to have a a small industry of um, advisors to help with CRROs. Exactly, exactly. Uh, another, Another new industry for the pensions world. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so governance um, seems like that's something you've got to do and make sure you tick the box and keep it under review. The second, uh, third one, I think, because uh, we had TKU, but strategy. Yes. What do we mean by that? So this sounds really obscure when you when you say it out of context, but essentially it's looking at uh, the wider strategic position of your pension scheme. The kind of biggie in this section is scenario analysis which essentially involves modeling how your scheme might fare in various different scenarios but it's not the only obligation before we get into that the key things that you need to do is you have to set short medium and long-term time horizons for your scheme and there is no one-size-fits-all approach to this it's generally focused around the lifestyle of your scheme and the journey that your scheme is on. So that's for your scheme. Exactly. It's, it's got nothing to do with climate horizons or anything like that. No, exactly. It's relevant to your scheme. You will then use those time horizons to essentially assess different risks. So, for instance, you might find that a particular climate change risk is a real issue in the short term for your scheme, but... It might be dealt with by legislation or other um, kind of supports, and therefore it peters off in the medium term. So that's you have an example so you could share with us, Kate. For instance, you might say that in an inv- in a situation where there's going to be really radical physical changes from climate change, such as flooding, and you ha- are a scheme supported by a sponsor where there are factories based in flood-prone flood areas, you might say that that's a real issue in the short term. But if climate change becomes uh, much less of an issue and the situation improves, or you just move your factories, it means that you then can mitigate that risk in the medium and the long term. Okay. Well, I need to give that some, some more thought. <laughs> so risk management, let's let's talk about that. What... what what does that mean in practice? So risk management is often confused with governance because they do very similar things and there are lots of links in. So when we're looking at the governance section, we were looking about setting up your processes, clear lines of reporting, who's helping you, that kind of thing. When it comes to risk management, we're then really digging down into your into how you have factored in climate change risks into your normal risk management processes. So have you added, again, to the risk register? Are you using any special tools? Are you doing anything particularly different for climate change risk as what you would do to other risks? Right. So is is this to do with selecting individual um, or 
instructing your investment managers to, to select certain investments or not to select certain investments because of climate risk attached there too? You, you might well have those kind of parameters when you set uh, your investment manager's uh, strategy. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Um, but it's basically looking at what do you do when a risk arises? How do, how do you keep that on your horizon? How then do you mitigate it? And most of the time, this is an area where your investment team will have some answers and they will know exactly how to kind of complete this. So, so really, trustees should look to their investment managers to say, we need to adopt a risk management process. Yeah, what, what do you do? What's your what policy? You yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, metrics and targets. So now we get to what sounds like the really scientific section here. And um, so metrics, essentially what you need to do is select and calculate four different emissions metrics of some, uh, four different emissions metrics. You must select an absolute emissions metric, an, em- an emissions intensity metric, a portfolio alignment metric, and then you have to do a fourth one which you can decide what you want to do. There are some recommendations in TPR's guidance. Now, it sounds very scary, but what we're talking well, about here... It sounds incredibly <laughs> scary to me. What we're talking about here is essentially things like working out carbon footprint. Um, that would be an example of an emissions intensity metric. Carbon footprint of your com- the companies or assets you invest in. Exactly, exactly. And what you can then do once you've calculated those metrics, and I should say as a word of support, it's very unlikely to be your individual trustees who are doing this calculation. It will likely be somebody from your investment team. But once you've got these metrics, it's helpful because then it can show you your exposure to certain issues. So for instance, if you find that you actually have a very large carbon footprint, you then know that you might be, you know, you can then see how you might be able to take steps to reduce that carbon footprint. So it's really kind of all about calculating where you currently are and having something that's uh, solid and objective to stand on. That's not to say it's totally infallible because ultimately the data that's available isn't great by, by and large. And so you have to just do this as far as you are able. Because it, most of my schemes will invest in in debt, yes. um, bonds, government bonds, LDI, that sort of thing. Um, they'll be reliant on their bond provider or, or HM Treasury to tell them what the carbon footprint is for a particular... Exactly. And if you can't get that information, then it's quite difficult to... Um, well, it's quite difficult to proceed with any real accuracy. What you can do is use proxies and benchmarks. And again, your investment team will be able to help you with this because it's stuff that they will probably be doing across the board generally. Yeah, understood. Um, and, another industry, yeah. as I say. <laughs> exactly. And the key thing, as I say, about calculating these metrics is that once you've got them, you then have a baseline. And from there, you can then use those metrics to assess whether you are more at risk or less at risk of certain climate-related risks and opportunities um, coming about. And then the, the next part of this is setting a target in relation to those metrics. So the idea is is that you set a target to, let's say, improve 
your carbon footprint, for instance. Well, when we say improve, we mean reduce. And the next year, when you have to then look at these targets again as part of what will be in your second, third, fourth, whatever it is, uh, climate report, you'll then look at that your performance against that target and judge, okay, is this still working for us? Have we achieved it? Do we need to set something new? And that's how it kind of works in terms of long-term governance. Okay. Now, I know you've been heavily involved with a number of our clients in, in helping them put together their their climate change. I was going to say TCFD. <laughs> that's fine. You can. It's not a leap. Okay. Um, for, for previous years. Um, and, and we've developed a template that we we can use internally to, to, to make sure all the boxes are ticked. The, the regulators come up with some feedback, hasn't it, on, on the, the reports that the very large schemes have already... Can you explain a bit about that? Sure. So, yeah, so that happened in March of this year. And essentially, the regulator gave some feedback, uh, having looked at around sort of 75 reports. So not all of the big reports were in at that time, but most of them were. And the feedback's actually been really helpful because they gave some examples of good practice... Uh, things that they found were generally missing, general trends. So, for instance, we now know that the sort of average uh, climate report was about 35 pages long, which is quite helpful when sometimes you get trustees who only want this to be a one-pager. And you have to explain that there's quite a lot of things to to jump, a lot of hoops to jump through to get this. And and it is is a fact, I think, that the regulator is going through checking these and making sure that all of the requirements of the... Exactly. legislation and the guidance have been met. Exactly. They they did say that they were being a bit more lenient in the first year or so, so that people could get used to this new regime. Um, but now that it's been in for a couple of years and, has been, and the regime has been expanded to more schemes, we're expecting that more people, that the regulator will look at these reports in more detail. And if there are any issues with the content of the report, the regulator will may well be in touch with you. Okay, so just to conclude, Jade, it's, it seems to me um, most of my trustee clients, this is a totally new thing that they're going to get need to get their heads around. They need to put processes in place so that they can, at the appropriate time, produce their TCFD report. And they're going to lean very heavily on their advisors in putting those processes in place. Complete. So as usual with pensions, it changes very uh, quickly and we need to adapt to the change. Completely. And I would say this is one of those areas where market practice will adapt and I imagine it will it will do so quite quickly. I think TPR's recent review is just evidence of that. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you very much for sharing your, your in-depth knowledge on uh, climate reporting. Um, Hopefully, um, that's been a a useful podcast as part of Trustee TKU into TCFD. (laughs) Uh, And until our next uh, pension pod, uh, thank you very much. Great, thank you.